Todd, first of all, congratulations here, tournament director at Cincinnati. You've been tournament director before, but what excited you about taking on this role here in Cincinnati? Well, um, this is more a more com complicated answer than you're seeking. <laughs> Uh, we'll but, take it. <laughs> but my primary role is that of head of tennis for BMOC Capital. And uh, our investments uh, span professional tennis tournaments, the likes of the Credit One Charleston Open in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, and now the Western and Southern Open here in Cincinnati. But also uh, our investments go into the player development space, the pro pathway space. So. Uh, challenger tournaments, uh, high-level junior tournaments, and, and so forth. And really, it's uh, what drew me to the to the opportunity was the fact that there was uh, a commitment to the sport, and not just to a segment of the sport. Um, as part of that role, I do serve as tournament director here, uh, which is when I'm least comfortable. Um, it's a it's a very detail-oriented uh, detail-oriented job. Um, that um, I have not had to deal with nearly as much uh, in the past. So I'm learning. It's been an eye-opening experience on a daily basis this year. Um, and I've learned more here in the last, uh, last few days, getting you know, sort of in that final sprint to, to the finish line than, um, than I could have possibly imagined. Like what? What have you learned? Well, we have a... We have a an amazing battalion of volunteers, um, approximately 1,500 volunteers that are core to the operation of the event. Learning how do they all operate with with, with one another? Um, when you know when is it right to be calling upon our staff to solve problems? When is it uh, uh, better, more convenient, and um, more politically sound to ask the volunteers for help. You know, no structure, no system is perfect, and uh, but this is one that has existed for uh, quite a while, uh, is highly functional, and but also um, uh, ripe for improvements in, this, in the same sense. You mentioned a couple of things there, the volunteer work and also the fact that this tournament has been around for a long time. You've played here, you've won this event in doubles. That is indication that it's been around a long time. <laughs> yeah. how, how has it changed in your mind and how has the player experience grown? Well, like, like everywhere um, in our sport, we've continued to get more and more professionalized. When, when I was here um, probably in 1991 or 92 for the first time, it felt like a normal tournament. It felt like, a, I grew up in the Midwest, so it felt like a normal Midwest event at a heightened scale. Um, and so I knew that from a, a brand standpoint, but the operation was still, you know, relatively mom and pop. Um, um, in spite of how, how significant the event was. Um, I also, at that time, traveled by myself most of the time, occasionally shared a coach, or was uh, supported by the USTA. Now the players are traveling with three to five people caring for what they need, um, and therefore, I mean, in order to accommodate all that, we need a, uh, far better and far uh, far greater player services spaces but we also need to be able to create logistically um, an event that makes utter sense to the 
to the player, to the fan, and to the corporate partner. Um, I, I think that professionalization is is only going to continue. Um, and fortunately, we are um, at, at BMOC and the Western and Southern Open are really prepared to make that investment uh, in order to continue to strive to be the, the best Masters 1000 in the world. I, I, think, I think it's great that you're part of a company that loves sport in general so much. I, I almost feel like looking at the draw in the field this year, I almost feel like you don't even have to promote the tournament with looking at the draw. The first rounds, even in the qualifying, really tough. How much behind the scenes do you prepare for an event like this, or does it speak for itself with how much history there is here? Well, it's, uh, there's a ton of work that goes into it, and I, I totally agree from the quality of the player perspective uh, to, to have essentially the top 40 of both tours, uh, barring a person or two due to injury. Um, it, it's a, you know, what is it? It's a, it's just, it, we're spoiled in that. However, we're spoiled if our objective is to run a good event. Um, we're armed with uh, ammunition to make a good event a spectacular event. If all the soft touches around the property um, meet with the brands of the tours and the brands of the players, and I don't mean the colors and the such, but literally, are we presenting at a level that justifies us? hosting the 40 best tennis players in, in both genders. If we look at it through, let's call it, uh, corporate business, you know, there, you know a f we've got a bunch of Fortune, Fortune 100 businesses here. We have to treat them like Fortune 100 businesses, these athletes. And um, uh, the better we do at that, I think it gets to be a flywheel, uh, a flywheel experience and we build you know, build off of one another, and then the fan uh, is the bene beneficiary. What What is your vision for the next phase of this tournament? Well, we have we have a, a lot of opportunity ahead of us. So, in just a couple of years, the uh, ATP and WTA will both um, have us being a 96 draw as opposed to a 56 draw in, in main draw singles. Um, so, we're anticipating close to a um, a 2x player population and player support team population. So we have drawings for um, massive player building, new shade structures, permanent shade structures throughout the property, uh, premium hospitality improvements to make sure that um, people have great places for respite, great places for um, dining, and you know, make make every single thing about this uh, the very best it can be. It requires a ton of investment, and, and like I said earlier, we're prepared to make the investment, um, and uh, and continue to um, and continue to demonstrate a belief in the in the ATP, the WTA, and the and the 1000s brands. As a former player, you you would know exactly what <laughs> a tournament requires and needs. I want to talk a little bit about um, the men's field with Djokovic now coming back to the States. I know you coached him for a little bit. Um, could, could you envision him getting to all these numbers that he's basically outplayed everybody almost or back then? Yeah, so he was 22 when I started right. working with him. Um, 
and nowhere near as mature as he is uh, as he is now. He had every bit of talent to do what he's doing. Um, however, my imagination could have never gone to where um, where he has taken himself. Novak. Uh, He's had a couple of stretches, long, long, long stretches, where I, th I don't think anybody has ever been more difficult to beat. And well, he defends better than anybody else. Um, he's got a mind when he's focused that I think is impenetrable, um, and he demonstrates that. And he he has been able to do what he's done without. Um, sort of the flair of Roger Federer or the, um, you know, sort of the, the brute force of Rafa. I think when people watch them, the common fan can see something, can sense something. And I nothing to take away from those two. But when Novak is right, I just, I, he is, it's not that he can hit everybody off the court. It's just nobody can solve that puzzle. And I find that to be the greatest indication of being a special, special athlete. But when I would, you know, going back to when I was coaching him, he was not focused. He was third in the world and didn't like having to play in the same generation as Roger and Rafa. And he eventually, you know, sort of swept that off of his shoulder and focused. And, um, and he's proven to himself and the world just how special of an athlete he is. What, what did you bring to his game, do you, felt, do you feel like? I don't think I was with him long enough to um, have real impact and to um, not to take it all on myself. Um, I don't think Novak was ready to open his mind to concepts, and, um, but it also wasn't very long afterwards where... Um, uh, where he where he clearly did he took um, in my, my estimation he took really good control of his life responsibility for his relationships the whole world revolves around him so if if he's not in control he's going to get pulled in a million directions and that's what I witnessed when I was coaching him that doesn't that clearly doesn't happen anymore um, so maybe if anything else I was you know the his time of last failure of controlling the processes around him and um, um, and I and, and I you know I saw I spent some time with him yesterday it, it, he's you know he's a much different human we're all different at 35 36 than when we were when 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 we're 22 but he's you know he's he, he's got things in perspective he understands who he is he's true to that uh, and I think that just makes his performance on the court even better. And what do you feel like you gained from the coaching experience? I, um, well, it was, it, one, I mean, I, I, the, the thing I go to first is I spent a, a significant amount of time with cultures that I had never really dived into. His agent was Israeli, his uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach uh, was Austrian, his um, uh, massage therapist was Slovenian, Novak Serbian. 
his uh, traveling coach, Marian Vida, Slovakian. So trying to navigate that many different cultures and especially from Eastern Europe uh, was really, uh, I mean, I, f I found it to be another, another diplomatic um, opportunity for me and that's always been probably on the stronger side of my skills. But, um, and also organizational leadership more than anything else. So organizational leadership, even though it was a, it's a small team, but it was the expectation that I was the leader of that. And I don't feel like I took good enough, strong enough hold of that operation. And those cultures probably needed me to come in and flex more muscle, and that's not, that's not my style. Um, so in sense, it informs what do you select, what do you choose to do, uh, and, then how, and, and then how do you need to behave in order to be effective in, in the role. Last question, just going back to this tournament again, what are your favorite memories about playing here, about being part of this event, for, and then now coming back? Yeah. So I, I grew up in uh, East Lansing, Michigan. I went to college at, at Northwestern in Chicago. And um, this was the one tournament um, where not only would I bump into familiar faces, guys I played junior tennis with, old coaches that coached those, uh, those players, college classmates, uh, and then some of my very best friends who would actually come here uh, one of them worked for Procter & Gamble, another one was doing consulting here, so we essentially had a reunion annually and the tournament was nice enough to give me a couple extra player guest badges and with the player guest badge it entitles you to go across the street to Kings Island, so we were at Kings Island every, every night that I had a day match we were at Kings Island at night fast passing and riding the roller coasters and having a grand old time. So it's a lot of that that I remember. In, in fact, throughout my career, I probably remember the off-court, the locker room, the um, camaraderie with the other players. But here, it was always the, the opportunity to reconnect with, um, with, with my communities. So if we don't see you walking around, we'll see you cross the street, Kings Island, yeah, on a well, roller coaster. I mean, you better watch out. <laughs> uh, um, it's... Uh, it's, it's such a great place and uh, the tournament really is part of this community and partners like Kings Island do a great job of making us feel really welcome. Yeah, well that's awesome. We're so happy that you're here for Tournament Director. Thanks Todd for your time, we really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks Jill.